0: For the persecutor.
1: Welcome again. My name is Todd Nettleton. We are in our studio today with a guest who has been with us before. Dr. Hormoz Shariat is the president of Iran Alive Ministries. He is the author of a book called Iran's Great Awakening, and he has been broadcasting the gospel into Iran via satellite television for 23 years. Dr. Hormoz, welcome back.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me. There's so much happening, which I pray it will encourage your audience.
1: We are going to be encouraged, and we're also going to equip people to pray, especially for what is happening in Iran, because as you say, there is so much happening there. You have said Iran is no longer an Islamic nation. And I look up, you know, on the World Factbook or online, and, and the official name of the country is the Islamic Republic of Iran. So you better explain that to us. How can you say that is, Iran is no longer an Islamic nation? Well,
2: when I said that, because of my experience, I am work with the people of Iran daily. I'm in touch with them. I evangelized them. I answered their questions. So I came up with that about five, six years ago, saying Iran is no longer an Islamic nation. And I got such a negative reaction. I said, are you crazy? Just Google Iran as 98% Muslim. I said, I know, but I don't see that. Now I'm bold. Why? Because there was a very scientific survey research done by two university professors two years ago. They asked over 50,000 Iranians, what do you believe? And can you believe it? Less than one-third, less than one-third said we believe in Islam. So Iran is no longer an Islamic nation. (laughs) So you say, how about the rest? Uh, Another one-third said, either God is not relevant to my life, is not important, or there is no God. And the last one-third were looking all over the place. They were looking at New Age religions, uh, Eastern religions, uh, all kinds, and Christianity, of course. uh, But everything but Islam. They're not looking for Islam.
1: How much of a role did the government play in that number? Because, I mean, we think back to 1979, the Islamic Revolution. The government has said for the last 40 plus years, we're going to do everything according to Islam. We're going to, we're going to run the country exactly how the Islamic teachings tell us to run it. And here we are, and, and less than a third of the people would still say, yeah, I, be- I believe Islam is real. What are the factors that have led to that?
2: It's over 40 years of Islamic rule. Iran is the only country in the world led by clergy. Islamic clerics and that for over 40 years. So as you mentioned, they did implement Islam in every aspect of life. If you know about Islam, it's not just a religious laws. It has political laws. It has personal laws you have to follow. Pardon me, I have to say uh, they have laws for your bedroom. They have laws for your bathroom. So it, it invades every area of your life. When I say Iranians have rejected Islam, They know what they're doing. It's not an overnight emotional reaction. They have experienced Islam and they knowingly, they have studied it, they have looked at it. Uh, It's deliberate that we don't want Islam. That's not only I say that, Todd, I say Iran will never be an Islamic nation. The hatred, the rejection of Islam is so wide and deep that people are not coming back to it actually you know, I read people's blogs. Uh, these are by name Muslims. I want to know what they think. And more and more, I see people of Iran, again by name Muslims, they write. F- to have a future for Iran, we have to get rid of Islam. They're militant against Islam. Wow, uh,
1: amazing transition that that we see happening in in Iran. For the last year, what we've seen in Iran on our news coverage has had to do with the protest. The young lady was arrested. She died in police custody and protests broke out everywhere. How widespread were the protests and, and what kind of led up to that? And what does it mean for the country to see people all over the place marching in the streets, as you said, shouting slogans against the government, shouting slogans even against Islam? What does what does that mean in in kind of the big picture?
2: Well, people want change. They have seen Islam, they have seen the worst of Islam. They saw the best of Islam, which I I don't know how good it is. So uh, they were using the word the best, and but they have taken a forty year uh, spiritual journey in the eighties the people of Iran saying, oh, Islam is the way. You know, That's when I came to Christ. I was witnessing, and I got so many backlashes. Oh, you're a traitor. You rejected not just the faith of Islam, but you're a traitor to your own country. So in the 80s, right after the revolution, people were so committed to Islam, they were saying Islam will take over the world, and they were ready to die for it, and many of them did in the Iran-Iraq war. So gradually, in the 90s, um, more intellectuals questioned Islam. And then the middle class started questioning Islam. And the last few years, that's why we see a surge in the number of salvation is, is, is this. The last few years, the government of Iran has lost the support of that 20 to 30 percent that used to support them. These are the most religious who support Islam, support the government they are the ones who are coming to Christ right now i have, the last year have had so many testimonies of people saying oh my uncle he was such a religious fanatic muslim he wanted to turn me in 6 months ago he wanted to turn me in now he's a christian <laughs>
1: <laughs> how significant is it that this has been a protest around women i mean a young woman is killed That sort of launches the protest. The protesters are shouting, women, life, freedom. Why is that so significant within the context of Iranian culture?
2: Yeah, that's a historical movement led by women. I mean, uh, they are at the forefront. Now, thinking why it happened, because women are the most oppressed in Iran and in Islam in general. But in Iran, the Islamic faith is into the law. It's by law that women are being discriminated against. So and we know our our beloved Jesus? He gives uh, grace to the oppressed. He came to set the captives free and the oppressed. So I'm not shocked that he gives us extra grace for the women. And they don't have much to lose. And uh, when they come to Christ, they gain so much. They gain the Holy Spirit. They gain value. They become daughters of the Most High King. And they become so activated to come up. So That's when they come to Christ. But the women are so oppressed. They're on streets. You want to kill me? Kill me. I don't have any future anyway. I don't have any value. They were at the forefront. They started five years ago. They started this thing. It was not just last year. It was five years ago. They started coming on streets without the covering to tell the government, you cannot control my clothes. Uh, You cannot force me to wear what you want me to. And some people don't get the significance of it. The battle right now at the front line of the battle is the covering. And people don't get it. They say, what's the big deal? Okay, the government says put on your covering. Put it. Put it on. Why do you fight? Right.
1: Why why would you lose your life over that? Over that.
2: The issue is bigger than the covering. It's all the freedoms. But it starts with the covering. If you can be free from your wearing clothes, then you will have other freedoms after that. And you know what? The government of Iran knows that. Mm -hmm. They know that if they give in to the demands of the covering, Islamic covering, if they back off, the people will demand more. Yeah, they will demand more. So they're very hardline, standing against the covering. It has become the main issue. But it's not the main issue. The people of Iran want change in every area. But the government knows if they give in they were going to ask more. They were going to ask more. So let's do that. And uh, they passed laws. They they know they should not back off the covering laws. So they they have passed laws that if uh, we catch a woman without cover, they get 10 to 20 years. Did you know there are women in jail right now? They have been there for several years just because they took off their covering.
1: It's, it's mind-boggling for us to even think about that. Dr. Hormoz, I know as— as those protests were ramping up, you're here in America, you're broadcasting every day into Iran, and you guys started to think, okay, how do we share the gospel into this moment? How do we speak into this moment? How, how did you do that? How did you kind of change and adapt to broadcast into a country that was erupting in protests?
2: Uh, the Lord led us to make changes. So, how do you become relevant? Uh, the people are facing issues. You, you, your gospel, you have to present it and what they're facing, right? You can't, uh, their mindset be in one place and you talk about something else that they don't get it. So this is what we did. Okay, there are women, life, freedom. I did series of sermon messages on that. The value of women in Iran and in Islam and Christianity. Life, Jesus says I've come to give you abundant life, eternal life. Are you looking just for life on this earth to get better? And uh, freedom, Jesus came to set us free. And you want to set the country free, and you yourself are not free. You're not free from yourself, from, from your flesh, from your desires, and how can you bring freedom to a nation? So we question that. In the beginning, fewer people were accepting our approach, but it has grown. You know, Todd, what has happened When the government squashed this protest, uh, last December, January, they killed, they arrested, forced people to go home. And now, in their homes, they're more open to our message saying, because they thought, oh, we are done. We don't need, we don't need the Christians, we don't need this teaching, I don't need to change. We get together, we change the government. They were thinking, "It's, it's done, we're gonna win. So now that they have been, the people of Iran have been defeated, now they are considering, no, problem is bigger than the government. And uh, that, that's our message. If you want a nation to be transformed, you need to be transformed. If you want your nation to be changed, you need to change. The same message in America. Many people want to change America, change the government. You know, the government is a reflection of people. You want to change your government and you don't want to change yourself? <laughs> what a hypocrite we are. You want to change everybody else, but we don't want to change.
1: I know you guys don't just broadcast. You also get phone calls back. You get emails back. You talk to people in the country every day. What are the results that you're seeing from this message going out?
2: Well, first, it gives people hope and real hope because political people, they have empty mottos and – Slogans And people find out that's just empty. You just say all these things. But when they see Christian life and we show that this is real and this is deep, this transforms your life, this transforms your family life, and it transforms Iran. And I believe gospel has that. The message of the gospel will bring freedom in Iran by bringing freedom to individuals. That's our message is. And challenge them. Even the political people, I challenged them. I said, you have this political plan for Iran, okay? Iran will be a democratic government or a republic or whatever. I asked them, I challenged the political people. Okay, your um, philosophy of uh, life, your philosophy of uh, government, has it worked in your own life? <laughs> are you, how are you doing with your wife? How are you doing with your wife? How is your family? How is your children? If your government, if your philosophy doesn't work for you, how can you bring it to the whole nation? And people realize that. Empty words doesn't do anything. They have to become real. And now people are more open because after a failure of last year, they tried to bring revolution in Iran, and the government squashed them and killed many of them. Now they are looking at themselves. Another thing, you know, there were many factions against the government functioning outside Iran. And they tried to have a united front against the government. These are big names. They got together. They had a few mini- meetings. And people have such a high hope. Yes, my favorite political leader is meeting with another political leader. They're all going to get together. We're all going to be united. And we're going to save Iran. But they had a fight. <laughs> These political leaders could not do it. It's such a big letdown. For them, but for us, it's the gospel. Hey, look, human unity doesn't work. Human nature has to change. Why did they fail? Because they were all looking for their own interest, And we are all sinful. If we don't change, the new government could be even worse than the old government.
1: Dr. Hormoz, I know during the protests, you had Christians going out among the protesters, putting themselves in danger, obviously, but also reflecting Christ, reflecting salt and light, talk about some of what they did to show Jesus in the midst of that upheaval.
2: You know, about politics, many Christians, even when we started saying, oh, Christians should not be involved with politics. We should pray, we should pray. My answer was, yes, you should pray, then you act. <laughs> you pray and hear the Lord, and in your prayer, you're talking to God, and God talks to you. So, yes, pray and then do what God tells you. We are called to be salt and light. So, we encourage people to be there among the people of Iran, share their suffering, help them. Even, you know, our Christians were there, and the crowd was shouting death to Khamenei, death and. A uh, Christian would say, why you say death? Don't you want life in your life? If you wish death for others, it comes to you. So it was an open opportunity to share the gospel. And many, many Christians were out there doing all kinds of stuff, many testimonies. Uh, I know some Christians believe that other Christians should not be involved in politics. What I see in the Bible is not that we put our hope in politics. Our hope is in Christ and the message we have. But we have to be salt and light to the world. And politics is just an area that's so dark and so corrupt. It needs the salt for the corruption. It needs the light for the darkness. So we need to be there, but different.
1: You mentioned the number of people in Iran that, that would say, I'm not a Muslim anymore. I, you know, Whatever I used to be, I'm not a Muslim now. We know the church is growing very fast. Are those people seeking other religions too? Are, are are other religions growing, whether they be cults or other non-Islamic religions, are people flocking that direction as well?
2: Every direction, unfortunately, yes. They have rejected Islam, but they don't know what they want. They're looking. New Age religions are attractive. No religion is very attractive, very secular, saying we don't want religion. We Our own mind, my own philosophy of life, my own definition of morality is better than mullah's. And you know what? They're right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so they've come to the point of saying, well, if this is what religion has done for
2: 40 years, we just want no religion. We want nothing at all. Yeah, yeah that's the number one decision of people of Iran. If if there, there was a referendum today in Iran Majority, maybe even over 90% will vote for secular democracy. They don't want religion in, in the nation. Some of them even are saying no religion. They're anti-religious. But most of them say, yeah, religion, but it's personal. not Not in the public place.
1: Typically in an Islamic context, if someone leaves Islam, we would talk about them being persecuted kind of by their family or by others. Like, you're an apostate, you left Islam, that's terrible. It sounds like from what you're saying, that's not really true in Iran. Like if you leave Islam, everyone's like, oh yeah, I can see why you did
2: that. <laughs> that's so true, Todd. Iran is different from other Islamic nations in several uh, ways. And one of them is that, that in other Islamic nations, uh, persecution usually comes by friends and family members, not in Iran. The persecution comes from government and. Even with the government, it's not religiously motivated. It's not that the government official says, oh, Islam is the, is the correct way. Why did you go come back to Islam? No, it's a political. We're losing power. So as you shared, this is amazing in Iran. When somebody comes to Christ, rarely you see persecution. family, Very, very rare. Most often... The rest of the family either come to Christ or they say, good for you. I'm, I'm not interested. But I'm, yeah.
1: but I'm happy you found something. Yeah, like, yeah yes. Which, is, like you say, is so unique in in the Islamic world. Right. Does that make it easier for you as you're evangelizing that you don't have to worry about your family freaking out about this no. because they don't like Islam either? So it's not as big of a hurdle to no. become a— Christian. The
2: beautiful thing, work of the Lord in Iran, it's not that, oh, people come to Christ, they uh, pray sinner's prayer, and the numbers are growing. It's not an easy believism. And in the West, sometimes we say, oh, just, just repeat this prayer, you become a Christian. And there is no life change in them. In Iran, if you become a Christian, you, have, you may pay by your life. So it's very serious. Now, we talk about miracles. There are many miracles happening in Iran. But I think the greatest miracle is when somebody's life is changed dramatically overnight. And everybody around them, they notice that. You used to be angry, used to be disrespectful, used to be suicidal. What happened? This was two days ago. I see you're happy. The parents say, you used to be so disrespectful to me. Now you're calm. Let me share this story, this family the woman called me, and I said, how did you, how did your family come to Christ? He said, through my, my son, 12-year-old 12, 12 uh, son. How, did, did he share the gospel with you? No. What? Did he become Christian and share the gospel? No, no, no. So tell me what happened. She said, I have two kids. They, they will get involved in the fight, take sides, and all. It's just no peace, no joy in our family. And, but suddenly I saw my son calm down. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, he was respectful to us. He wow. wouldn't get into family fights. Suddenly, his grades got better. His room got better. He came and helped me in the kitchen. When somebody comes to Christ, we teach him on our channel, this is how you treat people around you. If you're a child, this is how you treat your parents and help with the housework. So She said, I went to him. I said, uh, are you okay? Are you, should I take you to a psychologist or something? And he said, no, Mom, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And wouldn't tell me that he's a Christian. Then one day I was uh, just in his room cleaning a little bit uh, or trying to change the sheets, and I saw a Bible on his, under his mattress. Ah, and it was underlying some verses. Now he is reading the Bible. He might be a Christian. So my son came home. I, said, I confronted him. I said, are you a Christian? I found the Bible. Okay yeah yeah I'm 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 reading the Bible No tell us what happened to you he said I'm, I'm afraid to tell you would you kick me out of the house no we like what you see in you well I became a christian I one night I was uh, staying home and I watched this channel I prayed to receive Christ and my life has changed I contacted them they sent me a bible and now I'm reading the bible he said which channel where <laughs> <laughs> okay said, we, we watched the ch- uh, your channel and we all came to Christ uh, through wow. my son. Without even saying, she, he wasn't well, even afraid right. to speak up, but his lifestyle. Our leaders in Iran saying, oh, there are so many Christians. One of them was saying, I went to a store and just unknowingly, I was whistling, humming a Christian song. I wasn't even singing. And the store manager said, you're a Christian. How do you know? <laughs> because I know that song on the, on the satellite channel. And my wife And my wife is a Christian. This is how we started a church in a new town. We had this guy. They would go and prayer walk and go to shops and pray to look for opportunities to share the gospel. So one of our leaders in a new city was going to shop to shop and just whistling or humming a song and the Store owner said, "I recognize that. I, I, I've, I've, heard that on Christian Channel. Are you a Christian?" He said, "Well, yes." And he said, "My wife is a Christian. He came to, she came to Christ through your channel. Oh, please come home. She, she's so alone. She would be so happy to meet you. Uh, could you come to our house tonight? And we will have you dinner. And we will get to know you. Come to my house." So, our leader said, "Okay, this is a new city. Didn't know anybody." He said, "I went uh, for dinner to house." they had 12 p- other people have invited. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of Cornelius, you know? Oh, he said, all their friends, he said, tell them about Jesus. So, all right. said, I shared the gospel that night at dinner with their friends, and six or seven of them came to Christ, and that was how we started our first house church in that city. Wow. That, that's what it said. Instant yeah. instant house instant church. Instant house church. <laughs> the same with the uh, taxi driver. Some of our leaders take taxis, so we shared the gospel with with the passengers and taxi drivers and they say many times the taxi driver is already Christian so the, like the other day I I sat in a taxi I was just thinking how to start sharing the gospel with him and he boldly comes and says are you a Christian? I'm a Christian let me tell you I mean <laughs> so, oh, how come you're so bold? you're taking so many passengers. If one of the passengers turn you in, you will be you will be in trouble. He said, well, I have been turned in a couple of times the last year. So what do you do? How come you're out? How come you're uh, driving taxi? And taxi driver said this story. He said, yes, last year I was dying of cancer, uh, very advanced stage. And my doctor sent me home. I was dying and I had asked the uh, Islamic leaders to pray for me, Islamic saints to pray. So I get healed. I didn't. I was dying. And then one night Jesus came to my dream and said, my son, you are healed. And he said, I, I got up. It's, I saw Jesus full of light. And he says, my son. I went to doctor. He said, you're healed. You're healed of your cancer. cancer. So thanks, tax driver said, this is what I do. Every passenger I say, I tell them about Jesus, how Jesus healed me. When they arrest me, I have an answer. So they won't put me in jail. So what is your answer? How come you are not in jail? When they arrest me, which I have done a couple of times, I tell them, you know, it wasn't my fault that Jesus came to my dream. He came. It's his fault. I didn't ask. He just came and he healed me. And now I'm just telling people that Jesus came to my dream and healed. I'm not telling the lies. I'm just telling what happened to me. And if you have a problem, just go talk to Jesus. It's not my fault. (laughs)
1: people in Iran don't trust the government. We've talked about that. They do trust you. They do trust your channel. And for 23 years, you've been broadcasting. I know you have a survey that something like 6 million people are watching every day. Yes. So they obviously trust what you're saying. They trust how you're communicating. What does that mean to you after after all these years To to be seen as a as a trustworthy source of information
2: i see that as a honor by god and by the responsibility from beginning i I don't want to brag but this is truth i i didn't get in television to be famous to be admired that didn't really attract me because from beginning i knew that's that's foolishness that's vanity very soon or later you have to give it up and go so I wanted to love people and have influence in their lives. And by God's grace, he has given me that. As I share God's favor, what, one hard point in my life was praying, God, you know, why is these things happening? And why should I continue satellite? Um, sa- my Satellite was almost gone um, at one point, And do you want me to continue this? I have no ambition to do it if you don't want me to it said no i felt in prayer god says no i want to do it and uh, my favor is on you what favor i was i'm, I'm in trouble I'm, I'm going out of business <laughs> i'm going not going, well. going well i was just everything is bad why do you mean favor and i felt the lord tell me the favor is uh, is this that the definition of favor is when people like you and you don't know why that's favor I don't know why, but people of Iran likes us. And they, they say, we feel your love over the airs. We feel your genuine love for us. We feel that. So the, uh, love is powerful. The greatest weapon we have against Islam is love. Because Allah has 99 names, none of it is love. So love is powerful. That's why in 1 John it says, perfect love casts out fear. It's a spiritual warfare. And uh, cast out the spirit of Islam by love. Mm-hmm. The spirit of Islam is the spirit of fear. Amen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: As we finish up, we always want to equip people to pray. There are prayer warriors who listen to this show, and they're going to pray this week for Iran, for the country, for the church, even for government leaders there. How can we pray? Can you just give us some, some practical ways to pray for Iran this week?
2: You know, uh, every Christian is in a spiritual warfare. All of us are. And when you step forward— to serve the Lord. Any of your listeners, you know that. You just say, I want to do something. I want to go serve in the kitchen. Be usher, whatever, small or big. You get in a higher uh, spiritual warfare. The enemy wants to stop you. But when you confront the spirit of Islam, especially the Prince of Persia, Daniel 10, we are confronting Prince of Persia. So there is a high level of uh, spiritual battle over our bodies, over our families, we need that prayer and unity. We we do fast and pray constantly for these items. Uh, our group is a fasting and praying group. Leadership, all oh, we go through twenty one day of fasting, and uh, these are the items: pray for uh, our health, pray for our families, and pray for unity. The enemy wants to bring disunity and destroy destroy us.
1: I hope that you will pray this week for Iran and for Dr. Hormoz and for the ministry of Iran Alive Ministries. Thank you for being our guest this week.
2: Well, Thank you, Todd. Uh, Your broadcast, your podcast is so amazing, full of content, and everybody who wants to not just be informed but encouraged and inspired should listen to you.
1: Well, I appreciate that.
0: Christians in hostile nations may live far from us, as believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax-deductible in Australia. This has been a production of VOM Oz Radio. Voice for the Persecuted.